0: More often than not, one of the two is forgotten. Like somebody will do like a big—you've everyone's seen this—where they do like a big visual rebrand. The photos are beautiful, yeah. and the copy is a wet fart. And you're like, "What are you doing? Why did you cheap? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why did you cheap out on the copy?" And then there are instances where the copy is amazing, and the visuals are like a wet fart. And you're like, "Why did you waste this perfectly good copy?" And I also want to add because the for any direct response people, direct response copywriters who are going to come for me in my DMs about this because it's a big, the big thing is you can have a crap, terrible looking website. If the words are good, it can work. And yes, and if it is an instance where the words will work, but only if you sit and read the entire page, Yep. visuals make it much easier for people to snap in and know whether they want to finish reading or not.
1: Hello and welcome back to The Modern Consultant. I'm your host, Mark Aarons, and on today's episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Hilary Presswood. Hilary is the creative director, positioning coach, and founder of Statement Peace Studio at hillaryweiss.com. She's also the former co-host of cult favorite YouTube marketing talk show, Hilary and Margot Yell at Websites also known as Ham Yang, which is actually how I found out about Hillary, because I'm actually great friends with Margot and Margot is one of our podcast guests, one of the very first podcast guests that we ever had on The Modern Consultant. Hillary though, has also had a work featured in Business Insider, The Next Web, The Observer, and more. She, since 2011, she's helped thousands of brands all over the world get seen and heard and make serious cash through her 101 client work, writing, coaching, and videos. Nowadays, she's on a mission to help more small businesses define their statement piece, aka the bold point of view, that makes them radically relevant to their perfect people. We have a ton of fun inside of this episode. We do talk about how it is that you can come up with your statement piece. We also talk about the visual elements of branding and how Hillary went from being a copywriter, a very successful copywriter, to then uh, doing more in-person work which is the opposite direction of what many people do, which is, you know, they work in person and then they're wanting to have a location-independent life as well as business so that they can spend more time with their families. Hillary went in the opposite direction. We also dive into just why she decided to do that, how she finds fulfillment, and how she still has elements of her business that are remote, that if she so choose, she could continue to make the whole thing uh, remote. So, Hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it, and I'll see you on the other side. Hilary, I just want to say uh, welcome uh, to the show. Uh, It is a pleasure to have you, and I have a plethora of questions. But for the people who have no idea who you are, you know, how would you describe who you are and what you
0: do? Oh, my goodness. Well, how much time we got? Uh, Well, I am Hilary weiss Preston. there we go, technically Hillary Weiss, depending on when you know me, but I'm transitioning into Hillary Presswood, which is my married name. I am married three years ago, but I had brand equity around Hillary Weiss, so it's Hillary Weiss Presswood for now, Uh, but I am a creative director and positioning coach, and what I do is I help creative service providers um, largely in the sort of copywriting, design, strategy, consultant sphere, as well as a bit of the coaching sphere, um, really reimagine their business based around what I call their statement piece, brand, um, aka a brand that really highlights their point of view or personal philosophy that makes them radically distinct in the market. Um, I really, really love what I do. A big piece of it is also digging down into the overall strategy of the business and um, one of my offers and reshaping the frameworks, offer suite, um, core message of the brand, etc. cetera. Uh, to really create something magical. And then in my creative direction work, I also do visual direction. So the visual brand about one of my favorite things in the world to do is direct photo shoots. Um, so we got a full suite sort of brand strategy, positioning strategy over here. It's an absolute blast. Um, I'm also, you can also catch me on social media just being generally silly about all the above. I uh, got a weekly newsletter, but uh, in terms of just a brief picture of my background, I was a copywriter for 10 years before retiring in 2020 to do this work. So I've got the wonderful advantage of both having formerly been a contractor uh, in the online space and then helping the folks who are in the spheres that I used to work in and participated heavily develop brands that will really stand out from the noise of what really is becoming on both sides a busier and busier industry. And I think it's really interesting that we have a wave of business owners now probably more than we ever had, specifically creatives who are both the face of the business and the product. Um, so I think it's it's there's such a really incredible opportunity to develop a brand that is both personable, personal with reasonable boundaries um, and a powerful standout that differentiates you from the market.
1: So I love that. And we have to talk about the story about you repositioning towards positioning. Like, <laughs> can you tell us that story? Like what? At this very meta. I don't, but like how, how did we get there?
0: Listen, podcasts are the place to go meta. Okay. This is why we're here. This is what we're doing. So in terms, uh, so copywriting, what's interesting about the craft of copywriting generally is perhaps more than any other discipline in the sphere is a discipline that really forces you to get super clear on multiple levels of the strategy of the business that you're working on. Uh, when I was a copywriter, I used to like it. The metaphor I used was uh, sitting in the engine room of a giant cruise ship and just seeing how everything works. Because especially as contractors, you're going to have to snap into businesses and understand like, okay, what's going on? Who are we talking to? What's the offer suite? What's the broader sort of strategy going on here? How do I take all this information and turn it into messaging and verbal concepts that really embody what we're looking to do, grab the right people, et cetera, et cetera. And as many copywriters end up doing, um, especially because I started very young. I started my business at 21. Um, and that was a great adventure. Let me let me tell you, being an early 20-something in the space, really a mixed bag. Um, but I, I was able to gain a lot of momentum very quickly in the sphere. And so like most early stage business owners and most copywriters, I struggled with something called boundaries. Um, And the issue was that I found myself plugging strategic gaps for a lot of my clients because sometimes people would come to me saying, I don't actually really know my target audience. What do we do? Or I don't know the off path complete, but I need someone to write about it. And so I found myself filling in like a lot of these conceptual and strategic blanks over the years. And that while I should have been charging for it much earlier than I ended up charging for it, um, it really taught me the ropes because it allowed me to sort of test ideas and experiment within other people's businesses um, before I started testing it on my own. And so I want to say around 2017, I started looking around and realized, you know, I've had a great career in copywriting. It's been such a joy. But what I really want to be doing, I think, is strategy and something bigger. Um, And I was sort of like, is it coaching? Is it consulting? Let's figure it out. So I did what a lot of folks do, uh, especially the consultants listening to this podcast if you came from other disciplines and started with really small, um, really small sort of 90 minute, 60 minute consulting offers where it's like, okay, give me a page of copy, give me an offer, give me a a blank in your strategy and I will work to fill the gaps. And so I started kind of sinking my teeth into it that way and kind of building up my sea legs. Um, and then around 2018, 2019, I started the rebrand that you see today. We're actually going to redo the website. But uh, for those who don't know me, my co- uh, primary colors are my calling card, as is the disco ball. So now everybody sends me everything on and everything disco in my Instagram DMs, which mm-hmm. my- I love and appreciate deeply. Um, but around that time, I started coming up with the uh, coming up with the brand, and I realized that. I needed to start building momentum around the new direction I wanted the business to go. And it took about three years. So between, say, 2017 and 2020, when I finally retired um, in July of 2020, by the way. So the world shut down and I was like, maybe I shouldn't retire from copywriting. And then by the time July rolled around, I got angry enough and irritated enough that I was like, nope, I'm done. We're going to retire and let the chips fall. And fortunately, it, it worked out wonderfully because I'd been sowing the seeds for so many years. Um, but I would say my rebrand launched in my then rebrand launched in 2019, and I started just basically talking more and more about branding and positioning. I had been running my now signature repositioning uh, coaching service called Power Position, which is now a really wonderful combination of small group and one to one, which is really fun. Uh, back then it was just one to one, but I was I didn't have a name for it yet, and so I was working with clients um, on the side, alongside my copywriting work on things like redeveloping the framework, the big idea, the message, all of these things. And actually someone on a sales call said, it sounds like you're actually doing positioning coaching. Do I have that right? And the light bulb went off. And I said, yes, you are. Um, So by that time, by the time, this was about a year before I formally retired. And then by that time, I had built up a little bit of equity around the idea of positioning. Um, Just by talking about it publicly, serving clients in that context and putting that more to the forefront of my content and public discussions than my copywriting. So uh, just to sort of as time went on, the positioning side of the business got bigger and the copywriting side got smaller. And it was still really scary to make the jump because I had been in the industry 10 years. I was very known. I had never really had to promote myself um, or market myself because my word of mouth referral network was really strong. I was vis- very visible in my category. So it felt internally a little like spitting in the face of the that had given me so much. Um, but I think that's something a lot of people who are making a pivot like the one I did uh, kind of grapple with. But eventually you kind of have to make the commitment to the fact that nobody's in your business every day but you. Uh, and sometimes when it's time to move on, it's time to move on. So in July of 2020, I had a big retirement party on Zoom, which Margo actually participated in, our mutual friend, Margo Aaron. Um, and I wore a granny wig and granny glasses and made all that. So we made custom cookies and gift boxes for our VIPs and all kinds of fun stuff. So that is the story of how that unfolded.
1: That is amazing. And to just put it in context, July 2020, we're, we're still in pandemic land, and thus, uh, Zoom call uh, very apropos. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and, a a, a, a uh, time capsule, right there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 year, the the world's truly, really... you know. Um, there's 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 a book in there somewhere, and the I'm curious, so. How did did you know you were going to go down the route of uh, uh, visual branding? And uh, when you first did,
0: yes, so that's I'm glad you brought that up because I totally neglected to talk about that in my pivot conversation, Um, my pivot story. So I really wanted to do visual branding for a long time, but I do not have a design background. Like I can't use Photoshop, I can barely use Canva, I can't design my way out of a paper bag but I have a really good taste and it's that taste level, which sure always gets people kind of thinking about the visual side. Um, and I was really self-conscious about it. I def- definitely wasn't ready when I retired in 2020 to jump straight into doing photo shoots. I ended up doing my first client photo shoot about a year later um, with another copywriter, Kim Schwamm, who's delightful. Um, and sh- I would say a big part of my training. So I was working on, doing a uh, certification, a creative direction certification course with Sarah Ashman of Public Persona Studio. I don't know if she's running it again, but it was basically to walk us through what that visual process looks like. Um, And it was really, really wonderful to sort of go through that and kind of understand, because I knew how everything fit together, because brand strategy, not rocket science, sort of there's a series of pillars for it. But I was interested in how all those pieces kind of interlock and the best practices for that. So I did that certification course and worked with a number of um, I worked with a number of test clients. I think I did like three test clients as part of the certification. We only needed one, but your girls and all were at she were. And I was just so excited to jump in with both feet. Um, and I also had done much of my own visual branding direction for many years. So I had a little bit of knowledge. Um, but when it came to actually putting on the creative director mantle, doing the visual brand, I wanted to make absolutely sure I got some training because as I mentioned, not my background. So I got that done and I started just with creating the decks, doing the strategy that created the deck for the brand. So like there's the whole brand strategy, which I was very familiar with. And then the visual strategy as part of that deck, which could then be handed to a designer etc., who would take it across the finish line, photographer. Um, and then as about a year went by and I got my sea legs, I keep using that metaphor. Um, I realized, okay, I think I'm safe now. I have enough of a, I have enough chops. I have enough of a baseline to start seeing if I can actually carry this all the way through. So now we offer sort of full suite creative direction. Uh, the first tier is the deck. The second tier is the photo shoot. And then the top tier is deck photo shoot. And we oversee design and development of. The website, so we see it all the way
1: through. That's fascinating to me because it's in some ways like the opposite uh, progression that some people prefer, which is okay. I'm going to start with an in-person service, you know, product or physical product, and then I'm going to try to go more remote, more virtual, remove myself, and it's almost like you went in the opposite direction to become like more hands-on. Why?
0: That's a really good point. I don't think I've ever thought about it that way. For me, you know, I call myself like a, an online business native. Cause I got started so young. I was 21. I never really had like a real job. Public relations was my major in school. So I had like interned, you know, at a number of agencies over the years and like worked waitress jobs. But for me, I think I have so much of my work had been so online for so long The idea of being in a room with a client, talking to them, getting a chance to hug them and work with them was really exciting for me. Um, And for a while, I had a tier where we had a VIP day in person and also a photo shoot um, over the same sort of set of days. And I think for me, it felt like it anchored the experience to have an in-person tier. It felt almost luxurious to have that in-person tier, like fly out to New York. We'll hang out. I'm going to rent a beautiful space for our VIP day session. I'm going to there's an amazing studio for our photo shoot. My photographer, my team, I coordinate it all for you and all of that. And there's also not really a way to get around creative direction and photo shoots um, without doing at least a piece of it in person. I think because there is a connection you have with somebody when you're meeting sort of face to face. That I'm not saying you don't have on on a Zoom call, but when it comes to things like photo shoots, I'm a control freak. Uh, so I wanted to be there and be able to direct if the client was will, uh, willing and able to do that. Um, but by and large, that is actually, now that I think about it, what I felt at the time and, and still do, made it a luxury service because we made it an event. You know, it's not just like, okay, I'll throw a photographer at you and we'll go shoot a couple pictures of you at the local coffee shop. Like it's a full studio shoot. And for a while, I was also doing full day strategy sessions with them with like my big whiteboard and my giant, you know, notepad that you tear, you know, the big one that you tear off and you can like wear it like a cape if you run around. with pages. Not saying I've ever done that. Um, but that for me was really a cherry on top. And what also differentiated the service from competitors in the space who were strictly online as well, because Especially if you're used to being all online, adding the in-person component can be very intimidating. But me, I was gay.
1: I really like this because nested within that are so many personal and professional values. It's obvious that you care about people. It's obvious that it's also fun for you, you know, oh, yeah. too, about creating a client experience. and uh, uh You know, we, we spoke about this before we hit the record button, but you know, I am born and raised in Jamaica. The other piece to that is that, uh, my mother has like 30 plus years of tourism and hospitality, um, experience. And so just the hosting and creating the experience that someone will remember and come back to it, want to come back to year after year, after year, after year, there's so much intention and care that goes into it beyond all of like the logistics and everything yes you got to be able to handle that part too but the feeling that people yeah. remember is going to yes. be the thing that brings them back yeah
0: hugely and i actually I... have people what sorry
1: no no please please go for it go for it
0: no, i actually have people who will come back for other who've done my full sweet grave direction package who come back years later to do power position or like, do a tune-up session with me or whatever and I and that is a big joy for me. So my husband and I, we're big party throwers. like we have a big holiday party every year, Big Independence Day weekend party. Um, and I threw and I, I think I thank you for raising that point because it's something we pride ourselves in. Like we do client gifting. Uh, we really pride ourselves in our little goodie box for people who sign on with us. Um, we do uh, all kinds of really special experiences for clients. Like I have a restaurant I love to take them to in Brooklyn. I pick my spaces very. Very selectively, so it matches the energy of the client. And that to me is the joy of it. Like, we did a retreat, a colleague of mine and I did a very small retreat here in Brooklyn last fall, and it was called Fun Factor. And part of the joy, aside from the curriculum, which is like fun as well, but it was creating these little experiences and these little treats and these little surprises. Like, we had massages in the room we had a custom menu at dinner. We had we went to sleep no more uh after the second day. It was just really fun and i think to your point like that feeling is what people remember and if you put a just a little extra elbow grease on it it's so incredible how you can differentiate yourself by just giving that extra 5 10% of care and i know that's true in hospitality too so i love that you learned that from uh from your
1: yeah, it is absolutely a cultural value. It's a family value. It's also a personal value. Like and I one thing that I used to do, I haven't done it in a while, is like uh once every quarter I used to host this uh jerk chicken cookout. And I would get forty pounds of jerk chicken and I would invite forty people and everybody gets a pound. And <laughs> I would just <laughs> <Someone> <laughs> and... <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> oh my god <gasps> are you doing it
1: my crowning <laughs> actually well you know that might be the that might be the push that i need to to get this thing going again because i i've i've, I've missed doing it and yeah. my crowning achievement in all of this like i i have some business but this 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 you know i had a friend who was vegan and they had jerk ch- chicken, vegan that didn't like spicy food, and they had jerk chicken and liked
0: it. Like, yes. yes. Well, then that's, bring them back to the meat. That's, that's, that's incredible. Oh my yes. God.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but <laughs> circling back to uh, <laughs> the positioning, I'll uh, see if I could somehow find a way to tie this in. Uh, you know, sometimes I guess you got to feed them the vitamins and the ice cream or the ice cream and the vitamins, one of the two. Um, but <laughs> how, what, what have you found that your clients often come to you for? Uh, but then you go, oh, wait, no, no, no. You've misdiagnosed. You actually have a positioning problem or are this, mm. what are some of the symptoms that people see and then what's really the root cause? Like, how do you figure that out?
0: Oof, you're good with these questions. I'm going to need your interview recipe and your jerk chicken recipe after we finish this interview. Um, but I would say for me, so one of the things I hear constantly from my clients, and this is actually going to be one of the headlines on my new site, is I need you to do for me what I do for my clients, um, because I work with a lot of people uh... who are, yeah, who are contractors and consultants, um, and strategists, and they're used to taking a lot of information and amalgamating it into usable next steps, right. For their clients, really hard to do for your, almost impossible to read the label from inside the bottle. Um, so like that a lot. And two, I find the one of the biggest misdiagnoses is that I am like, frankly, and it sounds cliche, but like, I am stuck. Like I cannot, I'm boring on social media. I don't know what to say. I like have so much to, I'm so, I'm not good with content. I'm not really good at talking about this. It's like, I can do it in one-to-one conversation, but when it comes time to talk about it on my website or like on social media, I sputter um, and I stutter and I just, I freeze up and there's, I really have nothing to say. And for me, I find that that's a symptom of a couple of things. One, obviously lack of clarity, Um, but I also find that is at its worst when actually a client has outgrown their existing brand and positioning to such a degree that they feel like they can't, they would have to double back and drag the whole audience with them to where they are now. And what I mean by that is often in the online space, especially we'll brand ourselves one way or do a big rebrand, call ourselves an X, Y, Z thing, and then actually get into the work. And as the years go by, realize what i realized as a copywriter that like oh actually i'm doing this when i want to be doing this or there are bigger things in this work that i talk about with my clients but i'm not talking about publicly Um, and they feel also as if there's not a distinct way that they do things if i had a nickel for every time i've heard someone say i don't know exactly what i'm doing but my clients seem to like it and it works i just show up it's all instinct it's intuitive No. A big part of what I do is get in the mud with my clients and dig around and figure out, okay, what is that distinct sort of point of view? What is that lens? What is that talent that you have that makes you different from everybody out here doing what you do? And so I find the lack of clarity, the outgrowing the brand and this, like, I don't think there's actually anything special. I think I just show up, do a little dance and people seem to like it. And hopefully no one will ever catch me that I actually don't know which but I don't know what I'm doing which nonsense but um and that's an imposter syndrome thing obviously and I also kind of get a fear So I've got people telling me like I'm afraid I'm gonna be the only one I'm afraid I'm gonna be the only one you're not gonna figure it out for and I'm like man it's been a long time in this sphere and I've yeah I have yet to jump lately so that I often find like when our, when we've outgrown our brand, our positioning or like how we're framing ourselves in the online space, the instinct is to turn, especially again, because we are the face of the business and the product, it's very easy to turn that on ourselves and say like, that must be me. Like, I'm out of ideas. I'm washed up. There's nothing more for me to talk about here. I'm boring. When in reality, what you need to do is reassess where you actually want to be, who you want to serve and what you really want to be doing and how and then shaping around that and all of a sudden – the dam breaks.
1: That's wonderful. It made me think of all of these parallels between the kind of work that I have to do uh, and the kind of work that you do. And because one of the things that I've often shared with my clients is the most talented neurosurgeon can't operate on
0: their Yes. Own. Oh, that's such a better way to put it. Ah, oh, yes. I you to leave to <laughs> the bottle metaphor? That one's well. smarter.
1: I mean, I like I like that one. I like that one yeah. too, actually. I was just like, oh, that's nice. Like I, I-, I definitely filed that in, in in my brain. Uh so so that that, w- that was great. And the thing that comes up for my folks is when they're trying to position their course. Yeah. You know, um, and they may not necessarily be trying to reposition like the entire brand, um, but one of the first things that we always start with is actually positioning the course before we get into you know, designing the curriculum and everything that they're trying to put yeah. out there. But another problem that you brought up uh, comes up, which is, it's like, oh gosh, trying to reach inside of their own brain to get it out like uh, onto, onto digital paper, uh, as it were. Diving back into the misdiagnoses, uh, and it, sometimes there is the imposter syndrome, I found that can come up. I've also seen this other thing uh, and maybe this has to do with like online course world, uh, but it's almost the curse of expertise. Uh, have you heard of the four stages of comp- four stages of uh, competency?
0: No, I haven't. A... Okay, I think you'll. Uh... It on me.
1: All right. So when it comes to learning anything, ha- I've got to find the reference for this. Uh, but there's there's four stages. Um, you start stage one is unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know, and you're bad at it because you don't know. <laughs> and, uh, uh, stage two is conscious incompetence. Oh, you know, you suck, <laughs> you know, but you know, you, you've leveled up, uh, but, but you still suck. Uh, stage three is conscious competence. It's like, oh. I can be good at it, but I've got to really think about it to be able to. Got to put a lot of mental effort and concentration to be focused to be able to, you know, uh, get the thing done. And then the fourth part, the fourth level, is unconscious competence. You know, even think about it, just to, you know, you walk. You don't think one leg in front of the other, and you just just walk. You know, and uh, experts get to that stage and. The parts that they're needing, especially when it comes to online courses, they're either overloading on too much context, or they're miss. They keep there. There's context gaps, and yeah. they have to make the unconscious conscious again. Is what we have to do.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's
1: really, really hard.
0: Um, <laughs> You're so much better than explaining this than I am. Thank you. Keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 it's. You know, uh, part of it is is working with people who, within their subject matter um, expertise, just you know way more than I do. They they've got PhDs, yeah. masters. They've written books, and it's like I have yeah. to like go in and be like, "All right, but what is this really about, though?" Like I don't know the thing. You know the thing, and I need to ask you these questions just to even be able to understand you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. Then it starts pulling it out. You know.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Being that reflection, I think I love that unconscious company. It's 100% right. And I think that that's also what's confusing for people on a, on a brand perspective, from a brand perspective, is sort of like you put out your first website, your first brand, and it's very basic. And you can technically do that yourself. You know, maybe even for your second rebrand, you can kind of follow your own thread. But hilariously, once you reach a certain level of expertise, it is damn near impossible to do it by yourself because you're just like, I don't know, I just do it. If you ever if you ever see like an artist or creative and you're standing behind them and it's like, how do you do that? Like with the paint or with your drawing, and it's like, I don't know, it's practiced a lot. And I got there. And the same very much extends to the type of stuff that the people we work with do. And I so I love that that label for it. I've never heard that name heard it named that way before. And I think that's really powerful. And that's like having someone in front of you to ask you the right questions or reflect back what they see is invaluable and also I find a big part of my work is ownership with the clients like it's not just about like here's your brand buy it say let's get in the mud I need you to be able to really understand this so that you can create content create offers you know, share your message do you know complete your rebrand show up for your photo shoot whatever it is update your website from that place of understanding so that they can run with the brand they create and continue to evolve it because they know what it needs you know
1: I really like that. My own experience is just uh, going through our own repositioning. One of the things that was just surprising for me, you know, I was working with, you know, just an excellent coach and she pointed out, she's like, you're really strong on messaging, but there's a positioning gap. And I was like, I know,
0: you know, and <laughs> but
1: the, 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 the the my discomfort with the positioning and as you so wonderfully explained it it's like outgrew the positioning of yesteryear or whatever the case may be and that was slowing my content production to a grinding halt I didn't want to put anything out there I'm just like yeah it's it's how do you help your clients uh feel confident in the new positioning so they can take that ownership of it so that they can move faster um, in the production of content and also producing higher quality content.
0: So something I'm really passionate about and this is something that has saved my butt over the years in business is testing small bites of the idea. Like I always, I was actually just talking to my latest cohort about this where our goal is to not just like reposition you but take the idea hold it up to the light and look at it from every angle, stress test it. So I always encourage my clients, whatever process they're going through, to start taking the ideas that we talk about where we feel they want to anchor themselves and getting them in front of their audience, whether that's in their content, whether it's mentioning it to their clients, whether it's getting feedback from people that they've worked with or want to work with, whether it's doing like a small bite offer. Um, I find testing that idea in very tiny little seedlings um, Builds that confidence because I find something yeah. even the most experienced entrepreneur can fall into the trap of okay I, it needs to be a grand rollout like I, everything needs to be done I'm gonna keep it perfectly secret I will not speak a word of it and then I will arrive at the top of the grand staircase mm-hmm. slowly <laughs> make my descent while everyone looks at me you nice. know and then you do that and you realize something yeah, <laughs> I don't kill in the metaphor game here today both of us. Um, but you, do, but anytime somebody does that, like, first of all, you are inherently setting yourself up for disappointment because if you haven't had a chance to test the idea in public before you anchor into it on a brand level, it's like marrying somebody you've never met. Like you actually don't know if mm-hmm. it's going to, and you yeah. don't have that confidence. You can like it. You can be excited about it. But if when the rubber meets the road, you know, best laid fans never survive first contact with the market. And I think one of the things I take a, a lot of pride in is I'm not precious about something that we come up with not working. Um, I think that's something that you can run in the brand world periodically where somebody's like, no, this is the idea. Like these people are wrong. We're going to go for it. And I find encouraging my clients to take a stance of curiosity um, and which I do as well, because it's very easy to be like, oh, you're this on session one. Bye. You got to expect it to evolve. You have to learn to like, you are stress testing the idea. You are testing it to get data back. And I find that doing those small bites like, those little tests, those little like try it on, see if it fits, you know, see if you like it, um, tends to be the way that grounds them in it. It gives them a chance to test out different messaging, ways to talk about it. And it creates that really powerful sort of internal structure in your mind, in their mind about what the brand actually means, what it means to them and how they want to talk about it. And most importantly, how it's going to be received.
1: I like that. I experienced uh something similar with the rollout of like the particularly if we zoom in on like my positioning, part yeah. it was the differentiator that needed
0: uh, help. Yeah.
1: And I was like, huh. You know, and then like we have like uh we have this nice layer cake of differentiators now. Uh but one of the Beautiful. big ones, one of the 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 values driven one, you know, was the, you know, families, you know, spend more time with uh, your families just based on all the people that we worked with before. But then as soon as I started to say it, you know, and then see the reaction, I literally shared with people. I was like, oh, it slowed down the pace of the conversation and made room for connection. It was fascinating to just see it happen in real time. And I was like, oh, this is right. This is this is the right direction like that. <laughs> and then we saw it was, it was it's it's we had this survey submission come in um, because we, we've got this uh, uh 10K course quiz that we developed and like someone filled it out. And in it, they they said uh they're like, yeah, I really like that you're focusing on service providers. um Like I felt yeah. spoken to, you know, yes. and I was like, oh, more of this game on let's go yeah
0: yeah that's the and that's basically something i carry over very much from my copywriting career like being able to say like i to sort of drill down and i talk to my clients a lot about when it comes to things like differentiators and like really refining the positioning like taking the elevator one floor down and thinking about you know okay yes they have this problem or this goal but what does that Actually, look like in their day-to-day life because that's going to look so different for every person so for example for you is these consultants who want to sell high revenue high level courses so that you know high ticket courses excuse me uh, so they can spend more time with their families that is under the elevator I want to sell high ticket courses elevator one floor down so I can spend more time with my family because that why you want to sell a high ticket course is gonna look so different between two or like a family person who wants more time and you know this but I'm just repeating this for the folks following along at home versus like a millennial, let's say, whose child with early 30s wants to travel the world or a retiree who wants to make, you know, significant income on the side based on their experience. Maybe they have already have some kind of brand. It's just going to be such a different story. So I love that you raised that point because it's exactly right. And I think sometimes people can get a little too granular and this is where niching can go off the rails where it's like, I only serve blue haired women in Portland with six dogs. I'm like a bungalow house, you know? and that's where people get lost in the sauce with niching but when it comes to differentiation like thinking it's not enough to say like i want to empower women or i want to help people sell high ticket Mm -hmm. courses there has to be another layer and that's where differentiation gets really strong and really powerful because when people feel spoken to directly there's a lot of poo-poo about like oh online businesses blah 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 trying to take your money no when you are specific enough that you're talking directly to your customer and they feel really seen in that way, it built that trust instantly. And it is so, so powerful. And it's just a really extraordinary experience for somebody on the hunt for help to have, to see themselves reflected so powerfully in your brand. So huge congrats to you on that aha one. Thank yeah. you.
1: And thank thank you so much. It feels right. Uh, I'm excited. It, it makes it so much easier to talk about because it uh, gets back to also and developing a really, really great term that you used earlier, which is yes. point of view. You know, it's like, yeah. could you talk more about point of view? Why, what is it? Why?
0: Absolutely. So point of view, when it comes to a brand, um, this, I sort of use this interchangeably with a few other things, but I would say point of view is where, is sort of the the in-between. It's sort of like the... What's the word for it? Uh, the, the, the muscle, the tendons between the muscles? I think, is that, is that right? Anyway. So it's,
1: yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The connective tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. It's it's the,
0: it's, everyone sort of has their, you know, you need a target audience, right? You know, you need a clear speech. You know, you need a clear problem and solution. You know, you need differentiators and that's fine. But point of view for me is the lens through which you see all of that and talk about it to your perfect your point of view is how you make it relevant to your target. Because let's say I am, I always use the health coach example because it's just the easiest one to pull from. So let's say I am a health coach working with 35 plus year old women who want to like get strong. Let's say a differentiator for me is that I am anti-diet. And let's say the problem that people are facing is that they've tried a million diets and none of them have worked And the solution we're offering is You're not going to have to diet. We're going to do this a different way. Point Like there are, for all intents and purposes, and thank God, a good chunk of the health coach space that falls, let would fall under that category. I could be talking about a lot of people. But point of view, the way you see things and the way you talk about things is really what makes it distinct. So let's say like it's going to look so different to have that brand if you are, let's say, a former professional athlete and you're bringing that high performance coaching point of view to the table. It's gonna look so different if you are like a suburban mom who like gave her life a huge makeover when she lost the way and now is just like a fancy lady giving motivational talks at conferences and wants to help you live your best life, blah, blah, blah. Totally different point of view there. It's a totally different point of view if you're the goal, if like your goal for all of your wellness coaching is to help women show up more for themselves and be confident and take no shit from anybody. Like that's gonna be such a different lens. So it's really, and what I also want to add here, because I touched on this before, but this is important, you know, because everyone's like, oh, it's not all about me and my bread. True. But the goal is to filter this point of view through what's going to be most relevant to your target. So you want to think about, okay, if I know my clients are 35 plus, and I want them to give fewer fucks, because that's a big part of my point of view and why this work is important. How am I going to talk to them? What stories am I going to tell them? How am I going to frame that, etc., When I talk about point of view, I think about it as the lens that everything shines through. And I find that that is one of the biggest pieces of the personal brand process that a lot of people forget about. And it's something that's hard to formalize. Like we will, we talk about it in all of my work as well, but it's really like that's the final piece of the puzzle that helps everything become really distinct um, and radically interesting to learn about and look at because you're really owning your lens and point of view. So you put your stake in the ground, not just about what you do, but how and why, you know?
1: Mm, okay, so point of view is like the lens and- <laughs> holding a I guess holding a bus. I guess, you know, different shape of the lens and different uh-huh. colors, how tinted it is. You know, is everything coming through rose-tinted glasses or is it, like, fire red? (laughs)
0: Bingo! (laughs) See? Yeah, are you an optimist? Are you a pessimist? You know, all of these things that color the way we experience the world naturally. And that's a big part of why I love getting to know my clients because it's not just understanding their skill set, but, like, the point of view that's making it so interesting. And this is the same thing you see in, like, I would say point of view is contributing to a lot of people who are like anti-hustle culture right now like okay that's the point of view of like you want to kind of get off the hamster wheel and live an incredible life and spend more time with your family like that's a lens as well so there are all these aspects that we sort of see mostly we'll call them differentiators we can call them values all of that but it's really about taking the time to notice the way you see the world and then filtering and just sort of putting your flag there and being and, and taking the time to learn how to filter what you do through that, which also makes creating content and showing up for your business and your ideas much more fun because you get to say what you think, which is important.
1: Because I can hear somebody listening in to this. I can hear literally the modern consultants because you've got, you know, the different, you've got like the solo independent consultants. You've got the ones who've got like teams, like full-time teams of maybe up to like 20. And I can hear them saying, okay, conceptually makes sense. But if I tomorrow wanted to start to see my own worldview better how do i even get started on that
0: well you reach out to me and hello at hillary i'm just kidding um so i think the most that was a it was a plug right there so that was that great um no i find a big piece of this is pattern recognition and starting to take notice of your own ideas and your own responses for things two things mm. excuse me so First things I ever created with the new brand was called the Statement Piece Framework. It's still the freebie on my site. Um, It's an idea generation tool for content. But what I noticed is when we're thinking about our brand and how we see things, and I know we spent the first part of the call talking about like, it's very hard to do this alone. And it is. However, it's very easy for business owners. And this is where a lot, some branding falls apart um, because we want to just hand the information to somebody and have them tell us what we are. Have them tell us what they see instead of having to agree and that's where you get a lot of people handed brands on a silver platter you know top of the staircase situation and they're like oh this is actually not right um so if you wanted to start tomorrow i want you dear listener or viewer whomsoever you are to start thinking about okay what are the patterns that i see in my work what do i want to see more of and less of in the industry what am i always talking about with my colleagues What am I always talking about with my partner or people in sort of my day-to-day life? What am I always talking about with my clients? And what am I talking about with myself? Because every entrepreneur is consistently running, especially consultants, has just a never-ending internal dialogue going on up here in terms of like what they think about this and what other people are getting wrong about something or what they're so excited to nerd out about. And I find keeping an eye on those patterns. And just sort of just taking notice. You you write them down, or you can just keep it in your head. But starting to notice what you're attracted to and what you're repelled by. Um, Sure, on a visual level for something like branding, great. But on a conceptual level in your industry, like what are some ideas that you love Mm -hmm. and hate? Ways that you treat your clients that's or don't treat your clients that's very important to you because you were treated a certain way at some point, or you want to avoid the negative trends of the industry or you want to, there are some positive trends that you're like, I actually don't think this is going to last. You know, so starting to take note of the patterns and the way you see things, it just requires getting quiet and really paying attention because we've run into this problem that we talked about earlier, which is that unconscious competence. You don't recognize how your point of view is playing into everything that you do every single day. So really taking the time to just notice, oh, I said this like four times today. Oh, I made this joke like five times today. Oh, I'm using this. You can't operate on yourself as a neurosurgeon, you know, because you're very, I would imagine, and from what I know of you, a very technical guy, like very meticulous. And I think that you also bring that to your work and this sort of awareness and excellence, sort of creating excellence in order, like pursuing excellence to uh, create freedom sounds like a big thing that you're all about. Maybe I'm just guessing in your work so if looking looking from what i know of you and all that i've sort of seen already and what we've talked about like that is one point of view that i think is really powerful it's not about being excellent just to be excellent it's pursuing creating something really great so that that greatness can run over here and you can enjoy freedom over here so you get it right the first time You know, so anyway, I'm sorry if I bastardized the big promise there. Oh, that was,
1: that that was great. That, that gave me, (laughs) that gave me a perspective that might've been hard for me to figure out on my own, you know, um, I can't, can't, can't see it, you know? And I think the first client I ever told that to was a neurosurgeon. So there you go. Uh, (laughs) but he's
0: like, so true. (laughs) I would never operate on myself.
1: (laughs) It's just, just like, yeah, logic checks out. Uh, but the other question uh, that I'm going to ask you is, what? how would you describe your own point of view? Because I think that could help give us like this concrete or close to concrete example uh, as far as like what that even looks and sounds like.
0: Absolutely. So a big part of uh, my rebrand, and you won't see this, you may see this by the time this podcast comes out, but... I have this silver slime here, okay? And I have a, I know, its I'm going somewhere with this. It's very goopy. I won't pull I, pull, I actually pulled this out of a podcast interview the day, but there was no video. I just wanted to show off the slime. Very, but this is, I'm, I have plans for this slime uh, for one of the shots in my photo shoot because I'm realizing the new direction for my brand is really branding and positioning that gets to the guts of things. Um, and the reason why I really like that as a, a viewpoint is because I'm all about really three things. I'm all about kind of getting under the layers, taking the elevator one floor down to realize what's really going on. that's why I believe in slow branding. That's why I be- don't believe you should get a brand done in a day. Um, if you're more than, you know, three to five years in, you need to spend time on that. I'm all about stress testing ideas. So we go deep. I also believe in having a lot of fun and enjoying any opportunity for silliness as it arises. Hence the slime, um, and three. I believe in pushing the envelope a little bit in terms of what you say and how you frame yourself and how you choose to show up. I'm all about risk, but calculated and intelligent risk. We have a family motto that's always bold, never reckless. Um, my my mom came up with that Ooh, one. Actually, I, like I that. know. Havnor, nice. baby, yes, sir. Um, but for so I would okay. say. My point of view is I'm always bringing, I'm always bringing, first of all, my point of view is my point of view. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm always just bringing my distinct flavor to everything, which is digging under the layer to figure out what's really going on. Like, cause that's for me and my content. One of the things I really love is like taking common concepts and just like looking at them and picking them apart a little bit and just saying like, okay, well, what if this was a different way? Or I understand people feel X, but in practice, this is actually Y. That's something I really value and enjoy. And the second one, making sure we have fun if I'm not having a good time, what's the point? What is the point? You know, I'm running, I'm not running a business to hate my life. Uh, And I encourage all my clients to think about it that way too. And when we do positioning work and offer design, it's always like, want to make sure you have the freedom to do what you want as well, because life is for living. Um, And then that third piece is, um, oh my gosh, I repeated the third piece. So Now it's right out of my head. There's the joy, there's the joy, there's the getting to the guts of things, doing the slow branding and pushing the envelope. So not afraid to take risks, think outside the box. And that is that is the perspective I bring to everything that I do. Uh, but I wish there was more of like a, a one-liner for it. But getting to the guts of things is the best way I can think to describe it. Because when I thought about how I approach branding and what makes me different, it's that some people, will, well, you know, they're, they're going to help you stand out. Perfect timing. They're going to, we're going to help you stand out. We're going to make sure you have a brand that, It stands out from the sea of sameness. That's fine. But I want to figure out what's in your guts. Like what is right in there hiding in you that the world needs to see? That's something we haven't seen before because it's so distinct to you. Because you are with a lifetime of experience and ideas and knowledge and beyond the business world, your actual life. Like what can you always be counted on to do and bring to the table? And that's how we shape the brand. And that's how we get to the guts of things. And that's why I
1: have... I like that. That is, a, that is the best swim statement <laughs> I've you. ever heard. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: let's, I do what I can <laughs> Hang on, Give me one second. Like, somebody just left whoever's in the left building in. Yeah.
1: Go for it. So while Hillary uh, is on the way back, uh, there is just one thing that I absolutely have to talk to her about, which is being bold, but not... I oh, yeah. am Always bold. And... But- perfect timing that's 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 i because i as soon as you said that what was interesting to me is that you even captured that in your pictures because the pictures are bold but not reckless see like i was like oh that's nice which brought me back to a question i wanted to ask you earlier which is the decision to not just focus on the words, but also the, visions, you know, cause there's, there's a, there's elements, uh, that exist there that increase like the direct response conversion yeah. stuff, but then also branding as well, you know, memorability, awareness, uh, and, and just, uh, being again, uh, being remembered. How did you, did you consider the, well, let me reframe the question. Why do visuals matter and not just the
0: words? Well, for better or worse, we are visual creatures. It's the way we are trained. It's the way we exist. It's one of our first senses, I think, that really reminds us that we're alive. I mean, obviously, not everybody has the ability to see, so I don't want to be ableist in that category, but I think that human beings are, by large, visual creatures in terms of memorability. Like, people are much more likely to remember something they have seen in some ways, um, just right in a split second and something they have read in a split second. You know, we will obviously internalize words as well. And and there's so many different learning styles, et cetera. But for me, what excites me about visual branding and why I love to do it and tie it in with the message and all these beautiful bits and pieces is because it is the opportunity for you to grab somebody from the jump and make them remember you. And when you have a visual brand that is aligned with the message, then it's a one-two punch. Um, Because if you think about scrolling through the internet normally, like, yes, there are some instances where a line of text will grab you, which is great. Like the first line of a story can grab you. But if when we think about our worlds are like not even like the pivot to video everywhere, notwithstanding, visuals are your first opportunity to grab somebody's attention. And that is the best opportunity you have to create that memorability. Because it will often, when we think about writers that we love or people who are more messaging focused, and I'm a big messaging girl, don't get me wrong. I think you gotta have both. Um, but I, you're much more likely to remember an author after you read the entire book or after you read a few pieces of theirs. It's very easy to recall a strong visual instantly because you can take in all that information so quickly. And this is the UX wisdom of it has to take less than three quick clicks to get somewhere. And you have three seconds. There we go. This is the one I was looking for. You have three seconds to capture somebody's attention on a website. And so you can have nice photos, which is great. You'd have beautiful photos of you at a desk and laughing alone, drinking coffee or whenever whenever your flavor is. Um, (laughs) We've all done it, Okay. Um, or you can use the visuals of your brand and the photos as an opportunity to really jump out of the screen at them, or in my case, stomp out the screen or create that moment of like, oh man, this person gets it. This person knows what they're doing. Like it has to be a one-two punch. And I find more often than not, one of the two is forgotten. Like somebody will do like a big, you've, everyone's seen this where they do like a big visual rebrand. The photos are beautiful and the is a wet fart. And you're like, what are you doing? Why could you cheap- <laughs> what? Yeah. Why did she pat on the copy? And then there are instances where the copy is amazing and the visuals are like, a wet fart. And you're like, why did you waste this perfectly good copy? And I also want to add, because the for any direct response people, direct response copywriters who are going to come for me in my DMs about this, because it's a big, the big thing is you can have a terrible looking website. If the words are good, it can work. And yes, and if it is an instance where the words will work, but only if you sit and read the entire page. Yep. Visuals make it much easier for people to snap in and know whether they want to finish reading or not. So that's how I see it. If
1: content is queen, and design is the castle.
0: Absolutely right. Well said. You're killing it with the metaphors today. But yeah, jerk chicken.
1: I have I I am a thin metaphor part. it. <laughs> yes, amazing. hopefully yes, not yes. killing it with brain surgery. That yeah, we don't want to. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> yeah, <let> it
0: brain. There we go.
1: Yeah, <I'm, laughs> my practice. Uh, <laughs>
0: this guy, doctor. All right.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Hopefully, my dad's listening to this one. That'll be fun um <laughs> yes 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 absolutely yeah um, so all right so i i want to be completely respectful of time uh left my own devices i would keep you here for another hour uh there's so much more i would love to chat with you about uh perhaps there should be another episode planted. So.
0: Uh, i'm down for a part two okay.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, 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 we're scratching the surface with the metaphors. <laughs> there's, there's, there's more. There's more. I'm pretty sure. Uh, a couple of questions, though, before we part ways to, Uh If you could go back in time to before the repositioning, what advice mm-hmm. would you give to yourself knowing everything you don't?
0: Oh, it doesn't have to take so long. <laughs> it took me three years because I'm a snail. Um, what I actually, so I'm I'm working on a mini book right now. And the final chapter is actually about the pivot, the epilogue. Uh, actually, I might make it the introduction. I'm not sure. Jury's sure out on that. Um, but it's this whole section. So for me, I'm a very, I'm a, and this is where the always bold, never reckless thing. I have a line in there. Excuse me, that's basically like I'm not the jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down type. Like I will not jump off that cliff unless I've watched like 3 building wings YouTube videos. I have like a little a how to build wings for beginners in my a manual in my pocket and I jumped off several smaller cliffs just to make sure I can do it. You know, um I like mm-hmm. to test everything. And- that I find that I can Yeah, um, sometimes I can find I can over prepare for a big jump. And this was actually um, the big, why my retirement happened the way it did, because I had actually spent three years and a rebrand and all this testing and fanciness gearing up to make the pivot in March of 2020. Spring of, tw- I was literally on the train back from the photo shoot when New York City, aha, uh-huh, when New York City shut down. Yeah, and I just remember for weeks and I went to bed Got back Sunday night, woke up Monday morning, 20K in copywriting contracts up in smoke overnight because the whole industry ground to a halt. Unfortunately, only for like a month, but, and I was, I was devastated because I I was like, you stupid idiot. Like you were so focused on creating this perfect little plan. So you would like neatly, you know, spread and jump off. And then the world ended. And I was so, I was kicking myself because if I had just, That didn't mean like I'm very against like, oh, I have this idea. Better go. You know, I still believe in a bold but not reckless approach, a measured approach. But I spent so long in my perfectionism, three years, just really testing myself and disbelieving myself and just like feeling like there was more I had to do to be ready when ultimately it came up and taking a crazy leap anyway. So really, and that's why I decided I was angry enough (laughs) in like. May late May early June and I was like you know what I think I'm just gonna do it anyway like the perfect plan fell apart it's not great right now but I don't think there's ever a good time and I feel so frustrated with where I'm at that if I don't make this jump now I don't know what I'm gonna do so jump I did and we added a hundred K to our revenue at the end of that year
1: that's awesome! Yeah. And I Get love there. that yeah. story. I it's very relatable because for the people who are listening in, the whole, whole big idea behind the modern consultant is: for one to be modern means that it implies evolution, change is yeah. the constant. The business model is going to be evolving, you know, like going to higher ticket courses. Yeah. That's an evolution of the business model or productizing the service or whatever the case may be. Like, there's always some evolution. And whenever there's change, the natural response that many of us have uh, is fear, uh, which, yeah, you, what, what is it? It's um the four, the four like stress responses it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn.
0: Yes. You know, at, yes that's the one. Mm-hmm.
1: Just, just, yep. just like, and three of those. Like slow you down or send you in the opposite direction <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah one is like forward motion, you know yeah. and it's 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 fascinating on uh, just how how the psychology of that works and I've just been even in my own um uh, positioning and evolution you know of my own business like having to just be very cognizant of like what's the story you know that I'm telling yeah. myself what's true what's not really true and then I think I heard. I forget where I heard uh, this quote but it's like confidence is not the same as courage courage is what you take uh, to get to confidence confidence is when you've already collected the evidence yes now you have an absence of doubt and so therefore confident
0: yep absolutely right absolutely right and I, I love that and I think that's such an important thing to think about and for everybody listening to you, like this is the same thing in carving your space out in the market. Like everybody wants to switch on and have one, the first post go viral at 100,000 followers and you're good to go, baby. No, it is a build and a constant exercise in learning to share your ideas in public and shape them in public. And that is what builds that recognition. That's what builds that leadership. That's what builds, to your point, confidence. This is going to be a uh
1: hard pivot since we're talking about the concept of change but if you were stuck on desert island with one dessert oh my god for a week for a week which oh. one
0: well now it's only a week oh well, well shit what you <laughs> just so am i eating he's eating all their food or is it just the dessert is that the only thing i
1: like you know, you'll you'll be haunted okay, by like breakfast sure. and like the, and lunch, but this is the thing that the this Again, is.
0: I'm a little I'm a little pansy with my blood sugar. Okay, it just goes like this, so I gotta really watch myself. I gotta make sure I get my protein and my veggies in. Um, you know, I gotta say. So my favorite ice cream in the world is Ben and Jerry's the Tonight Dough. I don't know if I think they sell it outside of New York City. It's dough. so good. Have you ever had the Tonight Dough? I um, am okay, I'm about to Rocky World. So it's first of all, are you? I heard, I found out recently that people are very against Rocky Road ice cream. Are you a Rocky Road? Guy? No. Really?
1: Yeah, that's what I. I yeah. Why? What like, <laughs> great joy,
0: <laughs> not like <laughs> your ice cream to come with <laughs> extra delicious little snacks. Okay, like like a personal thing. Um, but the tonight dough, it's first of all amazing because you know Ben and Jerry's always does it right with those big chunky pieces. So it's like cookie dough. Um, there's. Sorry, I I've never evangelized this on air before. So it's big chunks of cooking dough, big chunks of crumbled up Oreo cookie. There's like fudge brownie in there. And then there is, I believe, peanut butter cups. And it's in chocolate and vanilla ice cream when it's all swirled around. And first of all, it is a menace. Like a pint cannot live longer than 48 hours in my house because I'm going to be eating. But it is just really an incredible mix of overly decadent, every indulgence you could possibly have in good. one ice cream. So this is a plug for the tonight dough.
1: I did not want ice cream before this, but now I want ice cream. And this was, this is, Island this is, uh, this is,
0: oh yeah, I'm going to be eating that. <laughs> I'm going to eat it up. Can't wait.
1: Oh, so this, this is going to make this next question even more interesting <laughs> then, because if you had to choose okay. chocolate chip cookies okay. or oatmeal raisin, Cookies.
0: This is a hard qu- chocolate chip all day. Oatmeal raisin.
1: Orange. Oh, your team chocolate chip. Are Are an an oatmeal raisin? raisin. Yeah, yeah. So I am an oatmeal right. raisin, and I will die on this hill. <laughs> and I think it has to do with my. Day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the
0: way you were raised. You were uh, raised. You were a raisin kid.
1: It's, 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 there's, there's another reason. I'm lactose.
0: Oh, you take your lactate like the rest of your people. Okay. <laughs> uh, no.
1: <laughs> <You know. laughs>
0: you know, no drill make it, I?
1: I like, I, I like chocolate chip cookies. I do, and uh, oh, well, I haven't asked anyone this: hard or soft, chewy.
0: Do I get an in-between choice, or is that only the binary? Because I reject the binary. <laughs> I mean, give me like a nice crispy outside and a nice chewy inside. I'm talking fresh out of a. The- mm. I'm to like. Okay. You know, and I will. I think we'll allow. What you okay. found elusive. I just want it cool enough to get my fingers around it. You know, so it's like if it's too hot, it falls apart. But you wait for just the right time. You go in with the little spatula, okay. and it's nice and crispy on the outside, soft on the inside. Okay. What just right. right. I don't are just questions about
1: for it's So
0: this
1: is this is this is, this is great uh where can you find out or
0: oh well listen if you're not sick of me yet you can come say hi over at instagram that's where i do most of my hanging out so i'm at hc weiss on there that's letter h letter c w e r i s s um and if uh you are listening to this and you love what you heard i would love for you to come say hi i don't bite uh, unless specifically requested Um, and I would love to hear a little bit about, if there was anything you liked about this episode and agreed with, or something that resonated with you or something that you really disagreed with and you need to come yell at me, that's fine. I'm a golden retriever of a human being. I love meeting new folks. So please don't hesitate to come say hi. Um, and then you can also find me and learn more about my work on my website, hillaryweiss.com. That's www.h-i-l-l-a-r-y-w-e-i-s-s.com. You can sign up for my newsletter and get my freebie to statement piece framework over there. And you'll also get my weekly newsletters if you hang out long enough to finish my nurture sequence. So come say hello. I'd love to hang out with you and I'd love to have you in my world.